you can help you save. How's it going, Ricky? All right, how's it going, bud? Good, you beat me to the intro. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, my bad. I just seen it pop up. No, I'm in, I'm impressed. That's like lightning fast. Well, uh, welcome in, folks. This is episode 22 of Ram's Edge. I can't believe we're already at episode 22. Feels like just yesterday I started doing this, but um, really excited to preview training camp. If anyone at any point wants to call in and talk, uh, we got a lot to talk about because there have been a lot of different things that have come up in regards to you know the PUP physically unable to perform list. Uh, we had an off-site uh, injury uh, with uh, Traven Howard, so you know it puts his you know day, game one uh, status in, in limbo. Uh, but on top of that, you know Jalen had some uh, you know stuff done the off-season, some off-season work on his body and trying to make sure he's good to go. So he's going to start on the physically unable to perform. Um, in addition to that, you know you look at you know Matthew Stafford getting stuff done the off-season. Uh, you look at Van Jefferson, who basically they admitted Van Jefferson played injured uh, pretty much the entire half of the season uh, down the stretch. So uh, a lot of stuff. Um, they also made a, a signing, a signing Luis Perez, the former uh, quarterback. He, he spent some time with the Rams back, in, I believe it was 2019. Uh, he spent some time with uh, you know, the spring leagues, um, you know, he played for the Birmingham iron and he just came off a season where, uh, he played for the New Jersey generals. So, um, pretty interesting stuff there. So, you know, we can talk about that, but I was thinking we'll just go position by position and, you know, have some fun with it. Hey, uh, Jake, did you see something today where they, recanted the Jalen Ramsey on the pub list? Uh, they did put him on the pub list, yes. Okay. Um, that is because he had worked on the offseason. So, you know, because of that, they're just trying to get him ready to go uh, for the season. Okay. Yeah, it's not anything too concerning, at least in my book. Uh, maybe for some people they might, you know, overreact and feel a little worried, but I'm certainly not fretting it. I think it's pretty normal. You know, you play a really violent sport, and you're going to want to get stuff worked on the offseason. Make sure you're prepared and repaired and ready to go, you know. So I definitely don't have anything, you know, I, I have no issues with that. I have no worries about that, so to speak. Um the Traven Howard stuff's different because he has to get core muscle surgery and he got injured at an off-site location working out. So... Did, oh, what's up, Dawson? Was... Oh, they said he didn't... They didn't put him on the pop list. Oh, I thought they were going to. I actually did not see that. I saw they brought back Luis Perez, and I saw they put Traven Howard on the NFI list, uh, non-football injury. It was reported that Jalen was put on the pup list with three others. Um, it was Traven Howard, Jalen Ramsey, Quentin Lake, and Kyron Williams. So two, two rookies, uh, unfortunately. Uh, Quentin Lake, a guy that we've interviewed twice on Downtown Rams, and... Kyron Williams, who, if you follow Downtown Rams, my 
co-host Alexis Kraft. That's like her favorite player. So uh, <laughs> we're already right off the, the rip. I mean, Williams makes sense. He broke his foot in the, the workouts. Um, so, you know, he's going to have to get work on. Um, but it was kind of undisclosed on Quentin Lake. I didn't know anything about that. Um, hopefully he's good to go and it's not going to be a big issue. But, you know, I do think what's interesting and something that, that we should discuss when talking about, you know, training camp, and a lot of people want to discuss, is who's going to make this roster. And I think when you, you look at it, there are a lot of guys here that are on the bubble. Um, you know, as simply put, I mean, I think a guy, you know, Russ East, who they drafted, I think they drafted him knowing that there's probably a good chance he might have to be brought into the practice squad. They have so much depth in the secondary, uh, mainly at the safety spot, you know, adding Quentin Lake in that same draft, you know, having Terrell Burgess, Taylor Rapp, and, you know, of course, uh, you know, Nick Scott and Jordan Fuller. I mean, there's a lot of guys there. So, you know, I think you look at that first. Um, then you look at the running backs, and you're like, okay, well, if Kyron's hurt, depending on how badly, it might open up the door for them to keep a guy like, say, Xavier Jones, who suffers a torn Achilles, uh, you know, at the beginning of last year in preseason, or, you know, even Raymond Calais, uh, who also, you know, suffered an injury. Um, he ended up missing the entire season with. You know, and I do think that that's intriguing because the running backs there, you have Daryl Henderson, who has shown he, he's got a lot of talent, but he's had some issues staying healthy. Cam Akers, a lot of talent, issues staying healthy. Jake Funks had two torn ACLs. So, you know, if Kyron isn't ready to go, you know, now you have two other guys that are coming off major injuries. So it is a very injury-prone position for the Rams and just an injury-prone position in general because they're getting hit so many times in a game um so that's something and then you know wide receiver because you know i would imagine obviously you know tutu atwell will make the roster uh jacob harris and when you're you know you're doing the math you're thinking okay well obj even if he signs he's not gonna be on the 53 to start the season so it's cooper cup alan robinson van jefferson then you have tutu then you have jacob harris that's five ben skoranek that would be six you got to keep Brandon Powell to be your returner. So at that point, you know, does JJ Koski make the roster? Does he not? Does, you know, McCutcheon? And that's something that, you know, we'll see as time goes on. But uh, a guy that I'm very curious about is Ernest Brown, the fourth, somebody that, uh, you know, he didn't make the roster last year, was on the practice squad. I'm sure he was really bummed about that. Uh, Fifth round pick at a Northwestern last year. You know, I just think, it's interesting because he's become somewhat of a tweener, right? You know, he could play on the outside, he could play on the inside. And while I do think he has some versatility, I don't think he is, you know, particularly, there's not a lot of confidence in him to play right away. And so with the injury, or not the injury, but the suspension of Bobby Brown the third, I think that opens up the door for a guy like Jonah Williams that might not have made this roster. A guy like Michael Hoyt, and especially, uh, you know, somebody like, you know, you look at um, the guy they got out of Cincinnati, um, whose name is totally escaping me right now. I think, uh, you know, Copeland, Marquise Copeland. I think those are the guys personally that are going to reap the benefits of Brown's six-game suspension. 
But it really does beg the question because how do they view Ernest Brown? If they view Ernest Brown as a defensive lineman, you know, interior guy, maybe it opens up a, a door for him. But, you know, he's definitely somebody. And then I think at linebacker, you know, the Traven Howard thing is big uh, because it opens up the door for Jake Hummel and Christian Roseboom. And I really do wonder what they're going to do with Jake Gervas, who is on the roster. And he's somebody that played safety. Uh, he's spent some time. He's actually played on the defense during the regular season for the Rams going back to 2019, uh, you know, sparingly, but he has. And so it's like, is this Jake Gervas's last shot to maybe work out as a linebacker? So, you know, I think a lot of different things just happen to open up opportunities and then, of course, you know, you look at the offensive line and, you know, a lot of people tend to believe that this is Bobby Brown's or Bobby, not Bobby Brown, Bobby Evans, uh, his last hurrah with the Rams this preseason. And I tend to agree. Uh, this is a third rounder that really hasn't done much. Um, you know, he had one solid outing against Khalil Mack with help uh, from the tight end chipping him on, uh, I believe it was Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football. But uh, if you really look at it, Evans hasn't done anything. There's no reason to keep him over, you know, guys that you drafted like our Curie, you know, this year, I wouldn't want to cut him. He's a seventh round pick. And before you, you know, look down on seventh round picks, I mean, you know, the Rams used, you know, a seventh round pick in the Super Bowl, whether he was ready for the occasion or not, Ben Skoranek, they used him. And so, you know, I don't think they're going to waste a seventh round pick and let him go and run the risk of losing him. Obviously, Alaric Jackson is is ahead of both of them, so he's not going anywhere. He had a really good uh, couple games in relief. Um, and then you have you know Chandler Brewer, a guy that they really liked a lot. You know he he dealt with uh, I think he I believe he battled cancer, um, and then you know had to sit out the COVID season because he was a high risk uh, candidate. So you know a lot of stuff going on um, you know around Rams camp, a lot of different things that are going to materialize you know, as we go throughout not only this month, but obviously August. So that 53-man roster could look, uh, you know, pretty interesting, especially with, you know, Traven Howard um, potentially not going to be on the 53 and uh, starting the season off on an injury list. Um, and the Bobby Brown suspension, I think that really changes a lot. And I don't think that's really being talked about enough because, you know, now that Traven Howard, you know, would be considered gone and, until, you know, he's ready, I mean, I like their linebackers, but should Bobby Evans, or not Bobby Evans, but Bobby Wagner or, you know, Ernest Jones suffer an injury, do you feel comfortable with Christian Roseboom? Do you feel comfortable with Jay Hummel? Uh, as much as I like him, UDFA out of Iowa State, um, you know, I do think that's a lot of pressure to put on a rookie. So there's a lot of different things, like I said, that's going to materialize over time. And I'm really excited because, you know, obviously we've all been waiting for football, but it it's a little different because when your team wins the Super Bowl, um, you know, it's a lot of fun in the offseason. It's more so like a celebration. But it also, I think, hits you harder like you want football back because you're hearing now everybody has the target on the Rams back. And, you know, you enjoy your moments and everything. But now you're like, all right, I'm ready for them to defend this thing. I'm ready to watch them again. And uh, especially, you know, when you have all the, the media doubt of this team. Uh, how, you know, even you look at like the Madden ratings, for instance, you know, the Rams are rated four points below uh, Tampa Bay, you know, stuff like that. I think that's really gets the fans kind of jarred up and ready to go because, you know, they believe that this is the best team 
uh, in all of football. And, you know, I, I'm kind of there, you know, right there with them. I, I really do believe that this team will repeat, um, you know, as long as they don't get severely banged up. But if anyone wants to talk, feel free. Uh, Ricky, if you have anything to say, you know, obviously, you know, feel free to do that. I'm just listening. You go down through the news, bud. <laughs> well, hey, I, I appreciate you. Um, you know, I, I think that's pretty much that's pretty much the news. I mean, obviously, you know, I like to, to layer stuff onto that. Um, you know, add my thoughts because, I mean, why not? You know, I, I think... Uh, you know, a, an important thing for the Rams is that they got a good offensive line coming in that's going to protect, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, they got a good running game. Good, not great. I, I'm not super, super comfortable with them going heavy on the run. I don't think they will for that reason. I think it's going to be uh, a heavy passing attack. And I think they have the personnel uh, to do that. You know, I think Atwell's in for uh, a pretty promising second year. Um, after being put on the back burner last year and then getting hurt. I think Jacob Harris could, uh, you know, show some signs of growth as a red zone target. And I think when you uh, you look at it, you know, the defense is going to be interesting because, you know, a lot of people talk about how, well, you know, they lost Sebastian Joseph Day and they lost Darius Williams and, you know, they lost this guy and that guy. And, yeah, I mean, sure, okay, but I think they got better. Because, you know, as much as I like Sebastian Joseph Day, would you rather have him or Greg Gaines the way he played at the end of the season last year? Like, I'll take Gaines. And when you look at the the pass rushers, it's like, yeah, they lost Von Miller, sure. But Von Miller was not, I don't think Von Miller was as much of a need as people make him out to be. I think he's great, no doubt about it. But Justin Hollins, before he got hurt, looked like he was in for a stellar season. And now he's going to get that opportunity, I think. And, um, you know, furthermore, the linebackers, are, it's the best linebacker room that, you know, as far as inside that I've seen the Rams have in, you know, my lifetime to be able to put Ernest Jones next to Bobby Wagner is just something else. And then, you know, adding Troy Hill, I think, is a really underrated signing, a really underrated or underrated trade, uh, underrated move. And it happened during the draft. So, it like, people were kind of annoyed because they were hearing things like, oh, Tyron Matthew and Stephon Gilmore. And then, you know, the Rams go out and get. Troy Hill, so obviously he's not the name of those guys, uh, but they feel really confident in him. They're comfortable with his ability, and uh, he's got a really good rapport with uh, Jalen Ramsey. I think they're going to have a really nice duo this year. I'm excited for the rookie out of South Carolina State, uh, Jacoby Durant. I think he's going to have a stellar year. I think David Long in a contract year could step up in a big way, and Robert Rochelle is somebody I'm very high on. Uh, you know, liked him a lot coming out of college. So, you know, I think make no mistake about it. I think there's a lot there, you know, to get you excited for what the Rams have. Um, and, you know, in, in addition to that, I mean, I think going out and adding Allen Robinson gives them just a, an offensive weapon of the likes we haven't seen with the Rams. I mean, Torrey Holt was six foot tall. Isaac Bruce was, you know, six foot tall or whatever. You know, they didn't, They've never had a guy like like Robinson to go up there, high point the football, turn a 50-50 ball into an 80-20 ball. Uh, you know, his ability in the blocking game, not on the level of Cup or Woods, but he's very good, underrated at that. Um, and he could play the big slot role. You know, you talk about, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, Cooper Cup just lines up in the slot. So, you know, he doesn't always go up against the number one receiver. 
Yeah, but that's the thing about the Rams. They're interchangeable. Van can line up in the slot. And don't look at Allen Robinson and assume that guy can't line up in the slot either. He can really work in between the numbers. I don't think that's really uh, giving credit you know, on his side. So you know, this is somebody that works really well after the catch because of what he can do as far as breaking tackles and you know, making guys miss. And, you know, I just think people, I think the Rams fans, most of them at least, have really gotten the message that I've been trying to lay out there that this Allen Robinson signing isn't Sammy Watkins. And hell, it's not really even Brandon Cooks. It's a step above Brandon Cooks, and I'm a huge Cooks fan. Um, so I think, you know, having that ability, is he the fastest receiver? No, but I feel like it's going to bring back the comfortability of Matthew Stafford to throw deep down the field, knowing he has a guy that can contort his body, that can change his overall approach, can make key adjustments in the air, uh, and just had the wherewithal to go up and pluck the ball and not just stare at it. I mean, we saw in the Super Bowl with Van, we saw it during the season with, uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson. Having, you know, Robinson, it's going to be like having Calvin again, having Kenny Galladay, having Marvin Jones, guys that are not afraid. Like Stafford puts it up there, and he expects them to go up and get it. And I think that is that is going to be crucial for the Rams. You talk about a third and 17, where most teams would just run a draw, where they would just get ready to punt. I think, like, third and 17s, third and 20s, whatever you name it, um, I think those are going to be like, hey, you know, Stafford, we believe in you. Take a shot, you know, look for Allen and see what we can do. Because here's the thing. You want to say that, the first thing you think of is like maybe, okay, so they're going to be pretty one-dimensional at that point because if it's third down, they're always going to Allen Robinson. Teams will stop him. But I would make the argument that teams wouldn't because here's the thing. Are you going to let Cooper Cup open? Are you going to put him one-on-one after what he just did? So that's the argument that I would make, is that Allen Robinson makes it almost damn near impossible to, to really figure things out you know, for the defense because if Allen Robinson's doing his thing uh, and then you want to say, oh, I'm going to double, well, you can't double Robinson and Cooper Cup. And if you do, then, I mean, Van Jefferson isn't any bit of a slouch. Tyler Higby isn't any bit of a slouch. So that's the thing there. You know, you can't you can't afford to double two receivers. You can't afford it. And so I think that's going to be something that we notice moving forward, how Allen Robinson opens up the offense because, again, you, you can't be that defense that looks at Cooper Cup. It was like, you know, Allen Robinson's killing us today. I guess we got to stop double-teaming Cooper Cup and go after A-Rob. Okay, then Cooper Cup's going to dominate you. You know, and then if you want to say that, then Van Jefferson. And if you want to go that route, then maybe Atwell. I trust Atwell one-on-one. I trust Atwell with nobody guarding him, that's for sure. And I would also say Tyler Higby because, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again, Tyler Higby, if he had the volume of a George Kittle, a Mark Andrews, a Travis Kelsey, etc., if he had anything like that, let me just tell you right now, Tyler Higby could be a 1,000-yard receiver in this league at a receiving tight end. And I have no doubt about it. Higby's got a unique blend of skills where, you know, obviously he, he looks the part, you know, 6'5", 250, 260. Um, but he's got really good contact balance where if you throw a seam buster over the middle, he's going to break a tackle and he's going to move. And, you know, I think that's one thing that doesn't get, you know, enough credit is Higby is really emerged in that way. 
But the thing that is most important about Higby and that keeps him dangerous is that with Higby, he's really improved as a blocker. So you can keep him on the field at all times. He can be in every down tight end, and that's what you love to see. You love to see things like that because at the end of the day, you know, when you have Higby, it makes it hard to be like, okay, we'll just double Cooper Cup. We'll just double Allen. We'll just double Van. We'll, you know, because then now you have Higby. Are you going to double Higby? No, because Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup open up. I just think there's so much here. It's like pick your poison approach on the offense. And that's why I think they're in a really good position here to be a lot better than they were last year. And that is what really entices me about this team. I think, obviously, as uh, Dingus mentioned in the comment section, need to see more consistency with Jefferson. Um, Hopefully Atwell stays healthy. I agree. Jet sweep and even screens. Yes, I think Atwell can be utilized kind of similar to how they utilize Tavon Austin. But make no mistake about it, I think Tutu Atwell is more closer to being a Tyreek Hill than a Tavon Austin. If they give him the opportunity, he can really thrive. He's got great game-breaking speed. He is a very good route runner. He's not just a gadget guy. He's not just a guy that doesn't know how to run routes. I'd make the argument he's a better route runner than Debo Samuel. And you saw what Samuel could do with his pure athletic ability and his ability to you know make moves after the catch, make guys miss. And I think that's really special because it's hard to find guys like that. So, you know, that's my thoughts on that. But if anyone wants to call in at any point, um, you know, it's an open forum here. It's just like Twitter spaces. You know, feel free to, to do that. Um, I'll also invite everyone in case they don't know how to, you know, actually call in. Um, you're more than welcome to, uh, you know, join the show. And, uh, you know, we're just we're just talking, uh, you know, Rams, you know, before uh, training camp. So, boy, you you can get rolling and start spilling some stuff out. I was trying to wait for a break to say something, and you were just going. <laughs> yeah, I had to stop back, myself because uh, I figured <laughs> the the kick it back the Bobby Brown situation. Um, we can like pump the brakes on because I've seen uh, pop ups of uh, people talking about the Dominican Sue coming back, and I'm like it. It would be okay, but let's let's see what else we got in in our own stables before we bring Sue back. We we only got I'm with six you there. game six game suspension. I mean, most of the time, look, it took us to what almost a halfway break before we signed Von Miller, or was it a little bit after that? So Sue just feels like like fans wanting a big name, I don't really think it makes a lot of sense because what people fail to realize is that they're a nice job of building that defensive line. They've developed guys like Marquise Copeland, UDFA out of Cincinnati. Uh, they've developed him. They've built his game from the ground up. You know, they looked at him as a, you know, potential successor to maybe a Greg Gaines or an Allen, uh, you know, an Ashawn Robinson, and they put effort into developing him. You know, you can't just waste the equity you put into a player like that, in my opinion. Um, and I think going out and getting an Indomitian Sioux does stunt a guy like that, you know, his growth. Um, Marquise Copeland had an interception in the playoffs. Uh, you know, he had some flashes there. And then, you know, you have Jonah Williams, you have Michael Hoyt, two guys that they really liked. They made the 53-man roster despite not having a big name. Uh, they didn't go after Akeem Hicks. So because they didn't go after Akeem Hicks, they didn't go after Bilal Nichols, 
They didn't go after Eddie Goldman or anybody like that. I can't see them going after Ndamukong Sue. Maybe later on in the year should an injury come up. But make no mistake about it, I think the Sue stuff is more about, first off, a combination of the Rams fans wanting a big name. Um, because obviously it's cool to have him back and, you know, he'd be a, like a, a massive name. But I think more so it's about Ndamukong Sue having fear of missing out, wanting to be back with the Rams. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily the Rams that want Sue back. I think it's more so Sue just saw a team win the Super Bowl, and he wants to join that team. Uh, I believe, like, Sue, we we could deal without Sue because I feel like he is more of a playoff player than he is a regular season player. Sweet. Yeah, the Rams, I mean, that was one of our, that was one of the team's most um, healthiest positions last year on defensive line. We suffered, you know, a lot of injuries and, and some COVID stuff at other, or almost every other uh, position group. And the other thing about the Rams is typically don't sign free agents unless they've lost a player or, you know, or there are injuries midseason. Obviously with Sony, same thing with Vaughn, with Hollins and Lewis going down. And um, this year with Troy Hill. With, uh, with obviously the loss of Darius Williams. Um, we saw that obviously Allen Robinson, um, with the, uh, the loss of Robert Woods and OBJ and the whole thing. So, you know, Bobby Wagner with the loss to Troy Reader and that was, you know, obviously an intentional upgrade. But yeah, it's not like the Rams are coming over the top of existing player groups, um, when the player group is intact. And I think that there's a couple of reasons for that. One, they have confidence in the player group, but also I think there's a certain amount of um, psychological aspect to that. Like they can't, how do you look those guys in the eye and say, yeah, you did a great job last year, but we're going to bring somebody else in. So that's my thoughts on that. Thousand percent. Marv, how's it going? Do you have anything to say? Uh, Not really. It's nice to talk to you, Jake. Um, Nice to talk to you too. I've been a Ram. The first Ram game I saw, Billy Wade was the quarterback, my friend. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. My uh, older brother took me to the Coliseum, and it was an evening game. They had a white football. A white Black football? Stripe. There was a white football at night at the Coliseum. Wow. The theory, was, the, theory, the theory was they could see the ball better. Uh I don't know if I don't know if the lights at the Coliseum weren't strong enough, man. But that was the that was the big thing in the in the fifties. I'm sure How that the uh, game? <laughs> I'm sure that football sells uh, for a lot of money <laughs> somewhere. I suppose I you know, uh, but uh, I've been a Ram fan ever since. It was a killer to see the Rams go to Anaheim, and then to St. Louis. I, that was. But uh, there's a lot of us that never gave up on them. And when they came back, it was just like, and then with the way they are, we've never had a Ram team like this. It's The old guys really, really appreciate this new version. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I, it's funny you, you mentioned that you never gave up because I actually noticed that. So I went to a Rams game um, the first time in L.A. Uh, back in 2017. Mm-hmm. When it was Sean McVay's second game against his old team, uh, the Redskins at the time. And, you know, I was there and I'm noticing all these people that I saw in those, vi- those pictures and videos, like to bring the Rams back to LA and they're going to St. Oh. Louis games and stuff. And 
um, you know, the hospitality was great and everything. And I was like, oh, my God, like there's a lot of Rams fans that just continue to follow them, even in L.A., which says no a doubt. lot. I mean, I'm in upstate New York, so, you know, I never really had a. How did you how did you. How can I say that? How did you pick the Rams? I mean, yeah. So what about the Rams for you? It's so surprising. Yeah. I, well, it's a little different. It's a little cool story, actually. Um, my dad grew up in um, Irvine, California. Okay. So okay. he was Orange born County. in Poughkeepsie. And then my grandpa moved the family out to Irvine. Okay. And uh, his next door neighbor was Jim Youngblood. You're kidding. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> yeah. If anybody has any contact. That was a so, great. Hey, boy, yeah, he was uh, a great Ram. He was yeah. a great boy. Yeah, if anyone knows how to get a hold of Jim Youngblood, I'd love to surprise my dad one day and do an interview with him. He would. I think he would he hangs out in Florida. I think, yeah, I, I think. saw that. I, I um, you know, because I talked to some of the guys. Like, I went to Lee Ray Irvin's 60th birthday party. Um, so like he was he was trying to get me in touch with him, but uh, no luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah know, um, it's, you know what? Uh, what was Go that? Ahead. I was thinking there's one of the uh, uh, the people that uh, work for the Rams. He's on the radio show. He's a he was a defensive tackle. Oh yeah. Um, why am I totally for blanking? I know I am too. Demarco Farr. I think Farr might have played with him. Maybe Farr is is younger. So. Ooh, no, that was. Yeah, I think Far's a little younger than that. Yeah, yeah. Far, Far's yeah. younger. Far was on the the St. Louis teams. Yeah, yeah that was late nineties, yeah. early two thousands for Far. Yeah, Jim played with Jack. Um, and it, it's cool because he wore that that number fifty three. Which I mean, we haven't really seen anybody wear number fifty three since, at least on that level. And uh, Ernest Jones just switched to fifty three. Well, Reynolds, yeah, Reynolds lined up next to Olson. Too, so that's way back there. Mm. Yes, yes. It's uh, what's he, funny. He replaced Deacon Jones. Well, that oh my god, I I've been just doing so much research, like because I love football history. Because I, I think the reason I love it so much is you know with baseball history, I feel like it's well preserved. I think football, yeah. you got to be the speaker because the NFL doesn't do a good job of preserving it. They don't put it out there. I mean, hell, they don't even count two of our championships from 45 and 51. So, you know, I feel like it, it's They don't it's count like, the 51? They don't well, count they, them as, they, like, Super Bowls. What they do, yeah, they really kind of reset their whole their whole history at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a debate in, uh, in another, in another um, uh, platform, another social media platform on Wednesday with a Niner fan in a pretty big venue. And, uh, you know, I know what they're, I know what the Niners say, you know, oh, it's five to two and this and that. And I'm like, no, I, you know, my, my contention is no, it's five, four. Like if, if you're going to go back to the, uh, if you're going to go back to the 20th century, so am I. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't count them. I mean, this yeah. is why, you know, when you have those NFL 100 lists, the all time players and you, mm-hmm. you know, you're wondering why kids are complaining when Gil Brandt is putting leatherheads on the, the, you know, on the uh, list. <laughs> it's because I'll tell you why you don't promote that. So you don't even count it. Uh, you don't even, I mean, there are hall of famers that people are like, why is he a hall of famer? Like, for instance, Bob Waterfield, 
dude was exactly. literally like, if you took like Taysom Hill today and you put him in that era, that mm-hmm. was like Bob Waterfield, like clearly an athlete, clearly like, you know, it was just so hard to bring down everything. And just Those... obviously he could throw the ball, he could run. And the thing that bothers me is people look at Waterfield and they're like, he had more interceptions than touchdowns. Why is he in the, the Hall of Fame and X guy isn't? And, you know, I would say I just think the NFL has done a terrible job of preserving that and, and really telling the stories. I mean, Waterfield was a superstar and they should have won the, in uh, 19, I think it was 1950 uh, against the Browns, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. He fumbled at the one yard line. They would have won the game on a QB sneak. So they should have had yeah. three titles. Yeah, they, they had some great players offensive players, players back then. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's and Rams has a great Rams have a great legacy all the way, all the way back. And um, so you know Waterfield the Rams from UCLA. Yeah, Waterfield. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of you guys, UCLA guys. But yeah, yeah the other thing that the Rams have is is some uh, racial integrate, you know, racial stuff, right? integration stuff, like with you know Kenny Washington story. Kenny and, Washington was there. And, that's that, right. That, yeah, yeah, and uh, Tank Younger. And oh, uh, uh, Doug Williams, Deacon, Deacon Dan Towler, yes, and uh, Dick Horner, the bull elephant uh, back. There was a receiver named Boyd. Um, there was. I think it's Boyd. Well, they Tom Fierce. Tom after, Fierce. After uh, what's his face from um, Don Hudson? After Don Hudson became the first receiver in NFL history to have 1,000 yards in season, which is ridiculous, uh, the Rams have the second ever, uh, Jim Benton, who isn't in the Hall of Fame. I, I, I don't know why, but uh, he was the is second. Tom Fierce? Tom Fierce, yes, he is. How about, Jim, crazy, uh, legs, how about crazy Legs Hurst? Oh, absolutely. He, oh, yeah, he's, he's considered one of the top guys ever. Crazy Legs Hurst should be on probably, if you really think about it, uh, he has an argument to be on the Rams' uh, Mount Rushmore. Here, here's why. Uh, it wasn't just what he did. I mean, obviously, the 1,700 yards in 12 games, uh, you know, whatever, 20-something touchdowns, uh, you know, winning the, the 51 title. But the thing that Hirsch did, aside from his playing career, is he became the general manager. He drafted Deacon Jones in the 14th round. He drafted Merlin Olsen. He drafted really? Roman Gabriel. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, he was incredible. He drafted Charlie Cowan. You know, uh, he was unbelievable because he was so important to the Rams, you know, after. Like, talk about leaving a lasting legacy. This guy wins the title in 51, retires not long after, goes into the general management role for the Rams, and then brings in this whole fearsome foursome era that absolutely should have won multiple titles. It's really upsetting that they didn't. But, but, I mean, think about that. He brought Deacon Jones, Merlin Olsen, you know, guys like that, you know, Roman Gabriel to the Rams. Fred Dreyer. Um, the actor. Yeah. I mean, he was a well, defensive he, end. He was on, he was there. He was the second group. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he was great. You know, there's yeah. a guy that never gets talked about who was better than Lamar Lundy and was better than Rosie Greer was at that point. Uh, Coy Bacon. He had an unofficial Coy 26 Bacon, yeah. sacks uh, when he left the Rams and went to the, the Redskins. They had Roger Brown. And, yeah, he uh, was really good too. Yeah, yeah, he was. And he, he, who was that other? The other defensive tackle, that huge. Uh, he got in. He was a political guy later on. He knew the Kennedys. Uh, who am I thinking of, guys? He was a defensive uh, tackle. Are you thinking of Greer? Yes. Yeah, Rosie yeah. Greer. 
Exactly. Yeah, like, you know, when they talk about the fearsome foursome, it's him, it's Lamar Lundy, it's Merlin Olsen, Deacon Jones. But, you know, in reality, I think Lamar Lundy was kind of the weak link of that. It's not that he was a bad player, but Coy Bacon would come in and just, you know, he was more efficient, you know what I mean? And then when he left the Rams, because they stupidly let him go, he had 26 unofficial sacks uh, with the Redskins. He was unbelievable. He's a guy that, like, one of the most underrated players that no one talks about, especially on the defense side of the ball. The Rams were dominant, but they were very defensively oriented uh, through they the, were. the 60s and the 70s. We did, we did not have an offensive team, really, until this, this group right now. Really. We didn't well, play offensive football. I would well, say the I mean, greatest show on turf was pretty offensive. Yeah. I mean, yes. yeah, but okay. I think, right. I think Bob's talking about actually, L.A. In my mind, they're part of what I'm talking about, and that's true. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Hey, Jake, did I ever no, tell you sense. that I became a Rams fan? Actually, you didn't. I don't know if I have. Yeah, I, I've told the story a couple times. But I don't think to you. My dad uh, was a physician. We were in SoCal, and he had an accountant who would, you know, you know, doctors. Letter, you know, back in the day, there weren't, no, you know, you had little stocks here and there, but. The accountants were obvious or typically more inclined to put people into investments and um, our doctors, especially who weren't, you know, necessarily considered financial wizards. And so he had an accountant in the San Fernando Valley who introduced him to a couple of guys who were opening a, a, um, a car dealership and thought, you know, these guys are pretty big names and, and they're going to be successful. It's right on Ventura Boulevard and, and she, in mm-hmm. Chino. and um, so I think you know, and they're looking for an investor. That he rent, he was their he was their accountant as well, and so my dad's like, well, that sounds interesting, and and so he did it, and he was the financial partner for Gabriel and Olson North County. <laughs> and so one you know, so one day we were, I went down with him. I was just a little toddler, hot, you know, hot, you know, enough to know what's going on, but. And we go down there, and uh, he says, oh, hey, you know, he called me Tommy. Tommy, this is my business partners, you know, um, Mr. Uh, Gabriel and Mr. Olson. And, uh, you know, nice to meet you guys and this and that anyway. So, um, yeah, so early on, my dad, wasn't a, my dad wasn't a big sports fan at all. So, like, he wasn't, you know, into the thing, into the Rams and this and that. And uh, so, but, you know, I later on, you know, a couple years later, I'm realizing that, oh, my God, these guys are huge, you know, Roman Gabriel and Merlin Olson. And, so, uh, and it was like, oh, I met these guys, and I've been a Ram fan ever since. That's awesome. Yeah. It was a, they were terrible, terrible investment, by the way. <laughs> the post-mortem. <laughs> he lost all his money. They were terrible businessmen. And, uh, but he had a Porsche in the driveway when I was growing up. Basically, for the entire time, I was like 8 to 18, you know. He, he at least had a... A uh, uh, a car in the driveway that we got to use. Well, it's funny because didn't um, Ferragamo he went into car sales? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty common, I think, for like these guys. Obviously, Elway did really well in it, and a lot of these NFL guys do well in cars for some reason. Yeah, Merlin, well, I mean, Merlin was a fair actor. Oh, yeah, Merlin did well as an actor for sure. Roman Gabriel Merlin never did much. Bernie Casey. Who's that? Bernie Casey. Didn't, Bernie uh, Casey. Who else didn't, 
didn't Youngblood do some? Or wait, who else? Yeah, was some, yes, he tried. several Rams. Yeah. Several Rams did some acting. Fred Dreyer. Fred Dreyer. There you go. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, well, Merlin Olsen did a ton of acting. Yeah, Merlin Olsen yeah, was great. quite a bit. Wasn't um, he the flower guy too? The 800 flowers or something, <laughs> or FTD or something. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, we talked about Elroy Crazy Lakes Hirsch. He actually did a ton of acting as well. Um, he was in the movie, I think it was called Unchained. Uh, so he, he was actually an actor. And um, he was the first, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on this. And if I'm wrong about him being the first, he's one of the first. Um, it was unlike anything that had really been done before. They made a Crazy Legs movie while he was playing. Oh, wow. Yeah, you can find it still. Um, it's on, like, YouTube, and uh, I, it's definitely worth the watch. It's, like, um, all the guys are on there. Like, Norm Van Brocklin is, like, it's it's all the guys. They play mm-hmm. their, their, themselves, and it's uh, it was a good movie. I mean, obviously, you know, it's not, like, a masterpiece, but... Did you ever see him cool. run? Did you ever see him run? He had yes. polio. I think he had polio as a kid. And he overcame that, but he had his own style. He had the bow-legged uh, run. Yeah. 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 I think he was yeah. from Wisconsin. I think he was out of Wisconsin. He was. Yeah, he he was. Um, I, I think he went to... I, there was a... What was the alternate football league? Yeah. The, the American. I think it was called the American League. Because the Rams... AFL, was it or no? Yeah. L.A. had a team in that, too. They Yeah, you know, he played for, like, Logan? the Rockets or something. The Chicago Rockets. Yes. He, yes. Okay, I remember this. He was drafted by the Cleveland Rams in 45. Uh, yes. Fifth overall in the NFL draft. Um, but he did not sign a contract with the Rams because he wanted to go back to the University of Wisconsin after his discharge from the military. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't want to play in the NFL because the NFL season had already commenced. So he changed his mind and went to play for the Chicago Rockets in the All-America Football Conference. That's what it was. Right. Um, All-America. AAFC. And he was there for you know, three Rosie, years. Rosie Greer was an actor, too, wasn't he? Yes. Yes, he was. I think he was the, maybe the flower guy. I'm not sure. But, yeah, a lot of those Rams got parts, uh, for sure, in, in a lot of the L.A. Uh, – you know, obviously, a lot of that back in the day, a lot of that stuff was filmed in LA. Oh yeah, that was Hollywood. Yeah. That was Hollywood. Yeah, they were. What's funny about Hirsch is that he, I mean, if what he did back in the day happened, Rams fans would have hated him because he, um, he was drafted by the Rams in '45. But what happened was the. Chicago Rockets, who changed their name to the Hornets, I believe, in 49, they breached their contractual obligation, so they didn't pay him the bonus. And so he's, he asked to be released, and he was going to sign with the Green Bay Packers. And the, the Rams were like, no, we drafted you in 45. You're ours if you come to the NFL. And he like basically was trying to play hardball and saying, like, you're going to have to trade me to the Packers. And uh, then, you know, one of the, the coaches or whatever, I think his name was Shaughnessy or, or yeah, I think it was Shaughnessy. Uh, he was telling him basically like, you know, hyping him up. He's like, you know, you got future Hall of Famers, Norm Van Brocklin and Bob Waterfield will be throwing you the football. 
Like, you shouldn't be going to Green Bay. You should be going to L.A. And so they talked him into it. And the first year, they kind of used him as a gadget guy, where he was a running back slash wide receiver. Um, wide, a, wide then, back, a wide back. Yeah. Uh, they actually called him an end, essentially. Uh, yeah, the I end know. That was, I was just playing, playing the Debo card. Though, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, what ended up happening was that, like, in the, the 50 season, he started coming on. I think he had, like, 700-something yards. But then uh, he set the NFL record with uh, – it was 1,400, uh, 1400 yards, um, you know, in 51, which is one of the most dominant seasons still to this day uh, for any position, averaging 124.6 receiving yards per game. I mean, yeah, that Ram team was, was really, really good. Yeah. So he did that on 66 receptions, by the way. Like, that's insane. He averaged over 20-something yards per catch. Yeah, <laughs> There were I, a lot of good receivers on that team. Fierce was there. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like, historians, football historians don't even know what to call Fierce. Like, is he is he a wide receiver? Was he a tight end? Like, you know... I mean, the other the other receiver was Bobby Boyd. Bobby Pretty, Boyd, yeah. Hmm. A lot of people don't remember him, but he was he was there. Yeah, that's. Uh, I always love looking at that team. I love the fifty one team. I think we should commemorate them more, but that's just me. Um, yeah, you're right. The NFL has made that the forgotten age. It's kind of the, they did a reset with Super Bowl one and. And everything after that, after the merger, really, quite frankly, that that was really the the key, um, because I mean, I, the, the inclusiveness of those AFL teams. Yeah, and I mean, I I somewhat I like that's the thing. I somewhat get it because it was like you win, you win the national, you win the division because there was like what two divisions and like you go to the Super Bowl or whatever the NFL title game was, um, and you know that was kind of. The thing, so I get what they're saying is that the competition wasn't how it was when the merger happened, but I still think it's incredibly like it's a slap in the face. Like, so you're telling me you're going to put Van Brocklin and Waterfield in the Hall of Fame, but you're not going to count them. It's like, honestly, I mean, it's basically like saying, okay, like we're not going to count World Series like the Yankees had with Babe Ruth. Yeah, that's a baseball. Baseball doesn't do that stuff. The same was true for what you're saying with the National League and the. And the American League back in the day, there were no wild cards. Certainly, there were no divisional playoffs. There were no anything, and um, it was uh, the winner of the the winner of the National and the winner of the American went at it in the Super Bowl. I mean, in the World Series, and that was that. So, uh, yeah, but they don't they don't really, you know, they still count all those World Series by all those teams. So, yeah, yeah. the NFL has chosen a different path for sure. Oh, yeah. And then think about this. The MLB ended up adopting the Negro League. So they took on all of the statistics, and they just recently made it part of their history. Isn't that great? I, I, I'm so, I think that's awesome. It is awesome. But it goes to show you that the MLB gets it. It's like, yes, the NFL is a way better league, and like they're run better and all that. But as far as the history, you could say what you will about baseball dying and all that. People do. But no one protects the history and preserves the history like the MLB. That's why baseball yeah, history sure. is like timeless. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's why we're still talking about Babe Ruth, who played, you know, mm-hmm. over a hundred <laughs> years ago. I mean, we still he still comes up in everyday conversation. Yes. Yeah, he's still compared to the best. Yeah, 
Did you guys catch that little thing where they moved second base this year, by the way, just to veer off into baseball for a second? I actually didn't. You didn't? They, moved, they moved second base? Yeah, they moved second, second base. Um, That's weird. So, What's the reason? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I don't know if I can do it justice. There's some great articles out there that do it real full justice. But essentially, they first base, second base, and third base were always played to the middle of the base, um, in a sense, right? To the, the line, like first base and third base were aligned with the middle of the base. And very a long time ago, and I, don't, I don't know what year, but very long time ago, they they realized that it would be much easier to determine a foul ball if they move the base to the outside so that they could, you know, of the line of the foul line and same for third base so that they could tell if it hit the base, if it was foul or not. Right. Which makes sense. And mm. but when they did that, they didn't move second base. So it was a, a, a sort of a geometric anomaly. The second base was always a little off. And so this year they, um, they moved second base back to where it's a straight, you know, now you have a, a, a full square on the base path, whereas previously for all those years, 60 years or 70 years or whatever it was, you didn't. And, um, and then the other thing they did is they made the bases, which is not related to, to this, you know, story, but they made the bases smaller, a little bit smaller. So the bases are all um, further apart um, as a result. That's interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, it's some good, really good stories out there, but yeah, it's, it was a very under, under, underrated story, underrepresented story, probably largely because baseball, you know, sort of just wanted to do it under the radar. But, you know, that was pretty under funny, the radar. <laughs> Yeah, the first professional yeah. baseball, the first professional baseball team game I ever watched was in the Coliseum. Huh? Oh, that that's fantastic! I couldn't imagine that. That was a nineteen fifty eight. There were some huge crowds back in those days for the Dodgers. I think the record is still held. Yeah, I think the, so. I think it's the Yankees came out and they had they had a special game for Roy Campanella. Oh wow! Yeah, and was it eighty or ninety? We, we all lit a match. Or a lighter, and that whole coliseum lit up with light from the fans for for Campanella. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. How many? Do you remember how many it was? Or <sighs> no, but I know it was the record. Yeah, I think it is still the record. Because I mean, how I don't could think you how, there's not another stadium that for baseball that could compete with that. That could compete with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, Exactly. Uh, hey, I want to change change the subject slightly here, back to football, Jake. So, I have not been able to get an answer to this question. I've researched and researched, and I've asked several people without success. Do you know why it's advantageous for the Rams or any other team uh, to put a player like Jalen Ramsey or or um, Trevin Howard or any of these guys on the pup list in the preseason, um, given the fact that uh, that they still count against the 90-man roster and they can come off the pup before the beginning of the season um, without, you know, any penalty. In other words, what's the purpose of even putting them on it? 
they count against the ninety man? I didn't think that was the case. Yeah, they do count against the ninety. It's called it's called the active pup, and if you now if you do it during the season, it's different. It's called the reserve pup or something different. And then the, and then they changed it this year. It used to be you had to be on it for six weeks, and then when you came off, another two. And now I think it's just a straight four if you're on during the regular season. But the preseason one is what really gets me. I don't understand the benefit. And why all these teams are doing it, you know, like with Ramsey, for example, and, and like I said, with Howard and some others, um, like, I don't understand the, I'm sure there must be a benefit because they're all doing it, but it limits the person from being able to practice and do anything. They still have access to the facilities and stuff, but if they weren't on the pup, they would have all those things as well. And they certainly wouldn't be obligated to practice. So I'm just trying to really understand the rule and I just don't get it. I think I heard today that they did not put Ramsey on that list. No, they did. I actually know why. This makes okay, a lot good. of sense. So the reason for it is they start the preseason on the pup list. That means they cannot practice until cleared by teams' uh, medical personnel. Um, that mm-hmm. does not yeah, mean does. that they cannot take part in team activities, meetings, etc. Um Correct. But if a player practices during training camp and is injured, they cannot be designated to the PUP list. So uh, essentially, you run the risk of then putting it, having to place them on IR. That's correct. But so are you saying that? I mean, theoretically, if, if Ramsey agreed not to practice, I mean, are you saying you're sort of protecting themselves from themselves or? Well, yeah, so so if Ramsey, that's why they tell, like, all the players when they come back, like, first off, physical. Second off, if it doesn't get picked up in the physical, like, tell us if you had any sort of, you know, injury or even if you, like, the smallest thing. And so that's why, like, Trayvon Howard, for instance, you know, probably, you know, initially was like, yeah, like, you know, I did this and banged myself up. And then they went through the physical and they're like, oh, it's worse than we thought. You're going to have to get core muscle surgery. Um you know, and that's the non-football injury list, uh, which is similar to the pup list. Um, you know, obviously, you can only be placed there if you suffer an injury not related to NFL football. Um, so it keeps you from practicing at the start of training camp, and but it allows you to return to work the same as the pup list. Whereas the IR, you're kind of done. Uh, you know, there are ways to bring you back because they've since updated it. Um, but you're, you're done for a while. Like there's no way to come back. So, you know, it's either you have to cut them, you know, wave them or you have to put them on the IR. And so that's why you like, you would never want like a guy like Jalen Ramsey, knowing that he had worked on the off season, you never want him to get hurt and then have to place him on IR because then he might not be able to come off until like, you know, I, I don't know how long it is, but yeah, it only- makes sense. There's also a limited number of – they limited the number of guys that could go on IR and come off to, like, eight for the year or something. Which isn't, so, like, bad. So, basically, what you're know. saying is they're they're protecting – they're making sure that these guys don't get on the field is what you're is what I think I hear you're saying. Yeah. So that they don't mess up. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like the yeah, Rams – that, that, that The Rams did play – They changed the their mind on Rams. What I'm, hearing, what I'm seeing here. Ramsey's not on the pup. He was he was Friday, Saturday put him back. They said he was okay. He's because they feel his injury 
he can do limited things on the field. Hmm. So, Quentin Lake is also there. Ira Williams is there, and uh, Traven Howard is there. Traven Howard is for sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you really think about why they would do that. Oh yeah, they took they took Ramsey off today. Good call. That's yeah. interesting. He was on there for one day. Yeah, he was. I, I'm I'm looking at the uh, the transaction report. He didn't want to go on there. <laughs> he wanted to be out on the field. I don't blame him. I you think, know, he just I think yeah, there'll be no contact. You know, Jake. Just, did you see the uh, the inter- the um, uh, press conferences today? I didn't know. No. Yeah. No. So it's interesting you say that because I caught part of McVeigh's. And he was talking about Ramsey being able to use his lower body and do certain things. So that 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 makes more sense that that they took him off. That does make sense. Um, yeah, because it's just his obviously his upper body that was that was hurt. So I know, like Jets fans yeah, were upset because Mackay Becton is still on the pup list. I'm like, it's really not that big of a deal. He's going to be good to go. They're just being cautious with him. McVeigh says if if you put a player on the pup list, you're not able to participate in any football activities. You're restricted to just go with uh, the trainers. Yeah, with just, just the trainers. Yeah. Well, you can also go to like meetings to and out. stuff, but yeah, like it's pretty. Limited. I would think so. I would. Yeah, yeah, you can do off-field activities, all off-field activities. Yeah. Yeah. So, I still feel like for whatever reason they don't do it the right way. It just feels like it's way too complicated. I agree. Well, and I, there's so many lists now. Yeah, pop and IR and NFI or whatever. It's, you know, just so many lists. Well, and I, I it agree. Makes content and, creation. And there's not enough. It makes content creation in fandom so hard, Jake. What was that? I said it makes content creation in fandom so hard. <laughs> it really does, actually. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it keeps you on your toes, you know. Yeah, it definitely does keep you on your toes. Yeah, for sure. It's funny. Yeah, it's uh, that's great. Yeah. It's funny because you know, like I I remember having uh, Leroy Irving on, and you know, he was telling me he's like, you know, they they really ought to make the the roster like sixty five players. He's like because when you're when you're in camp, you know, you have to cut down now from ninety to fifty three. He's like, you see pretty quickly that the league can still handle having 65 on, on every roster or even more because of how much talent is all over the league. He's like, all it would really do is, is create jobs, first off. And secondly, like, you, you wouldn't run into the same, like, the issue like they have right now is that even if you have X amount of players, you can't use them all. And so... It's just confusing to me why you would have that because essentially you you have, you know, the idea where like, oh, well, they might not dress, you know, quarterback and say both of them get hurt. It's like, oh, well, they weren't allowed to use their backup because they had to keep an extra defense alignment for this game or they looked at the matchup and they need an extra corner. I just think it's stupid. Like I hear people's, you know, explanation is, well, it's more strategic. And I'm like, actually, no. I, I, I think it's dumb. I think it's really stupid to say, well, you have a 53-man roster, but you can only dress 46, 47 players. That doesn't make any sense to me. I already think yeah. enough. They don't- I mean, obviously, they have the practice squad guys, right, that are that they're paying, but they're not obviously dressed and eligible. 
Um, yeah, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, and then, oh, by the way, they, they made it out to be like, oh, you can activate two practice squad guys. Yeah, but you know what they don't tell you? That's two guys on the 53 you can't activate. Yeah. So, I mean, they just got to find a way to make it better. Especially they got to find a way for, like, the casual audience to be able to understand what's going on. Because I, I feel bad for people that are trying to get into the sport, and they're like, oh, he's not playing? Like, he's on the roster. I don't understand why, like, you know, when I try to explain, like, Terrell Lewis is inactive today. What does that mean? Yeah, he's a healthy, healthy or he's a healthy, yeah, healthy scratch or whatever. It's so dumb. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, you know, wait, 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 wait. He's good. He started the season. He's healthy. And what does a scratch mean? You know, it's like, yeah, you got to explain all this stuff. To people. Yeah, I agree with you. Too many, too many designations. Well, it's, I mean, it's the same thing. Baseball, you know, has the issue with. It's like you have all. Oh, well, now, you know, they need a certain amount. Oh, they hit the limit, so now the pitcher can come out and they can put another guy in, and they're like, hold on, what, what's a bullpen? <laughs> it's like they're sitting there, like, yeah, or my god, or they send guys down, especially the pitchers. Send guys down. You can send them down a certain number of times, and then bring them back up for their next start. And so you can have an extra hitter on the on the roster, you know, between starts. And it's yeah, it's it's my friend who's actually bit, been trying to get into not. baseball cannot grasp the concept. Neither can I, to be honest with you. But he he can't correct. So he's like, wait, Jake. So you're telling me there's no salary cap? And I was like, yep, correct. He's like. So why do teams not bring back their players? Why do they not pay their players if there's no salary cap? And I was like, oh, well, there's a luxury tax. And he's like, but they make X amount of dollars. Why wouldn't they just pay the tax? And he's like, I don't know. They don't want to. <laughs> it's like, it's just like there's no salary cap. But like, you know, you run the risk of like the Yankees, for instance, might not even bring back Aaron Judge. Like that's that's ridiculous to me. But then you have an outside perspective that somebody that's a casual that's trying to get into the game and can't understand the logic behind it either. So, yeah, and it escalates. Obviously, you know, it escalates year one over the cat over the luxury tax is x x amount of tax, um, and then year two, and then year three, and that's you know the Dodgers dealt with that um, a few years back where they're like they couldn't even stomach the idea of paying you know a couple hundred million dollars in luxury tax and. Well, because it's an escalator. Yeah, the the thing that is annoying about that is like you. It's not like football. Like football, you have like the revenue share. Um, yeah, baseball, you really don't. Like, there's some in there, but it's not on the level of football. So, for the most part, you're getting all that money. You're raking in all that money. So, like the idea that you can't afford yeah. to pay a player when you don't have, a, you know, like a a salary cap to abide by is just kind of annoying. I understand not like going out and getting like say paying like you know Juan Soto 600 million Otani 500 million like you know just like spending billion dollars on players but I I don't get when you let guys that are key contributors to your roster guys that are core players go like with the Rams it's different because it's like you know I'm sure they would have loved to bring back John Johnson he wanted to be back he didn't want to sign with the Browns absolutely like he told Alexis straight up on Instagram uh live that he wanted to be a Ram. He wanted to stay a Ram. They, they did not want him back. They told him he, he was not, they, they were not going to be able to bring him back. They could not afford him. And so that's how that happened. But like, if there was no salary cap, do you think the, the Rams wouldn't have John Johnson right now? Do you think they wouldn't have kept Sebastian Joseph day? Do you think they wouldn't have some of the guys they lost in free agency? I mean, 
That's the thing. Of course Absolutely. they would, yeah. But that's just Absolutely. their cheapest strategy. And, and they obviously don't, they don't, one of the least valued positions from a cap perspective is, is, um, is safety, you know, along with running back and inside linebacker. So that makes sense. But, um, yeah, it's the, it's, you know, the, well, in baseball too, is it's most of the vast majority of the revenue for NFL teams comes from the national football, um, from the national TV deals, Fox and, and, um, uh, you know, ABC, SPN, CBS, et cetera. So, um, Whereas with baseball, the vast majority of the revenue comes from local TV deals. Yeah, and um, and so they, it's not like an even split. Like right now, the Bengals get as much as the Rams or the, you know, the Giants or the Jets or whatever. Some of these bigger market teams in terms of revenue share or, or split of that of that TV deal. Whereas you know the Dodgers obviously have a lot bigger uh, local TV deal than. You know, some you know, some smaller market team like you know Milwaukee or something. No, and that makes sense. I think when yeah, um, you know when when you you look at that, I mean, for for some reason it it doesn't like feel fair because the quality of <laughs> the quality of our stuff, like for instance, if you're a Rams uh, owner, you know the quality of your football is a lot higher than the quality of say the Jaguars. Um, but I do get what you're saying. Uh, it just, yeah, it's just really annoying. Like, I guess with the, you know, you don't have a salary cap and you know, all that, but one thing I was going to say, um, and I'll probably wrap it up cause you know, we've gone pretty late, but one thing I was going to say is I actually had, um, a conversation earlier today with, uh, Nick Hamilton. He covers the Rams uh, credentially for, um, Nightcast Media, good friend of mine. Um, and, uh, Nick who used to cover the chargers, he, Brought it to my attention, and I wasn't really thinking about it, but, you know, Derwin James has not gotten his contract yet. And, you know, he he believes that that's a guy that Ramsey could go out and get. Like, that's a guy that Ramsey wants to play with, obviously. And that's a guy the Rams would pay. What would you guys say if they, they went out and got, you know, a guy like Derwin James? It's all right with me. <laughs> Sounds good. I think we lost beat. Yeah. I have a question before you go on two players. Yes. On the Rams. And I saw the interview with Elijah Garcia that you did. Oh, awesome. With Les. What did you you know, I have read two articles about him in the last couple weeks. And I guess he's really impressing the right people. And I was wondering uh, how you felt about him when, after you did the interview, he was, he's really, they think he might make the cut. I think he might too. I think it was honestly. Yeah. Pardon. I think that's a guy that, uh, you know, needs to be talked about a little bit more. Um, you know, they let Noville go or Noville. I forget how his name, but Dion Noville. Uh, so it kind of tells you that he went through the first wave, you know, where, they brought in two UDFAs uh, at the same position, basically told them both to prove themselves, and he won that, like, mini battle. And so now it's training camp, and, you know, he's got great size mm-hmm. at 6'5", 302. Um, you know, and I think he is raw, uh, but this is somebody that was productive at Rice. I, you all, I mean, you saw the interview. He, he checks the box. At the yes, I did. You know, um, you know, seems like a really – 
you know, outstanding dude to have, you know, with your organization. But, you know, I think this is going to be somebody that could take on multiple guys, uh, can be, you know, kind of a, a gap plugger, if you will. Um, but I also think he is fast enough to, like, kind of be kind of similar to what we see with Greg Gaines. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of see a little bit of what we saw with Greg Gaines. And, you know, he's like this intriguing guy that has this skill set. You know, he's raw. But, you know, with the NFL coaching, he could end up being really darn good. Like, I would not be surprised if that was the case with him um, because he was a three-year starter in college, you know. And this is somebody that I think, you know, he can play uh, the three technique. He can play the one technique. He doesn't have a great like first step necessarily. He's not, I mean, no one has an Aaron Donald first step except for Aaron Donald, but um, <laughs> you know, he doesn't have like a really quick first step, but he does make up for it in my opinion with his overall, um, you know, his, his rather his pop behind his pads, essentially uh, when he, he generates that contact, he can eat up some of that ground that he lost uh, by not having that quick first step. I'd like to see his get off, uh, you know, get a little bit better. Um, but, you know, from everything that I read and, and, you know, the research I did and the film that I watched is, you know, this is, uh, this is a hardworking guy, you know, he, he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna exactly. show you, you know, intensity when he's on the football field and he's going to give you his all. And I think that's really all you can ask for, you know, when you're putting him in a defensive line where, you know, he has an Aaron Donald, you know, in his, uh, you know, in his defensive line room where he can learn from, you know, he's. He's got Eric Henderson, who he can be developed by. Like, there's a lot of good things. Mm -hmm. And it's why, you know, he was basically telling us, even before we went on the air, uh, he was telling us, like, a lot of those reasons why he picked the Rams to sign with. Anderson. Another reason that uh, sort of a a check in his column is Gaines and um, Ashawn are both free agents next year. And the Rams aren't, obviously... You know, very, they're very selective at who they uh, resign. You know, regions that they resign, their their default is to get a comp pick, um, unless it's somebody they really want and need and can come back at a reasonable price. So, a lot of the guys that they're you know sort of either drafted or will keep the UDFA's that they'll keep are guys that they could groom for next year, um, have in anticipation of losing guys to free agency. No, it makes. A lot I think of sense Michael too. Hoyt. I think Michael Hoyt's another guy to watch. Oh, definitely. I think uh, that kid could really develop. Yeah, they they like Hoyt. They definitely like Hoyt. Yeah. So, um, we'll see. I mean, I got my eye on Chris Garrett for uh, on the outside. Well, I'm excited yeah, for Garrett. Be- I'm, I'm excited for uh, for Hardy. Um, we also interviewed Hardy. Yeah, that'd be great too, wouldn't oh, it? Oh yeah, you did, you did those great DTR interviews, Jake. Good job with those, by the way. Appreciate they it. They were good, Jake. Yeah, we we love doing the interviews. Alexis and I have done like over I know I want to say at this point over four hundred different prospects we've interviewed. So, um, you know, I I just love getting like I've seen your film. Let me learn a little bit about you, type deal. Um, they don't have to be super extensive. They don't have to be sixty minutes long. Don't have to be like a feature on ESPN, but um, you know, I, I want to get a feel, and we we try to keep it, you know, really, you know, like professional, but also like comfortable for like the people that we're interviewing, because some of the players do get nervous, believe it or not. Like we've had a uh, we've had a few where like 
we're just like, yeah, you know, we'll just scrap this. And, you know, if you want us to like re-record <laughs> it, we can do that. We've re-recorded stuff. And just cause you know, we don't want to put anybody in a bad light. Um, because I mean, obviously, you know, like when you first get on camera, if you're not like, for instance, if you're not like me, like I can't, if anyone asked me to do a Ted talk, I'd probably try to do it, but my face would be blood red throughout the entire thing. I cannot talk in front of crowds. Uh, but in front of a camera, I have the confidence, you know, on the level of anybody. Um, and not, yeah, not, you're, you're really comfortable. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's like a, it's like homey to me. You know, I, I feel very at home with, with the camera in front of my face. And yeah. so, um, you know, not everybody does feel that way. And so, you know, I do think, a lot of the time we lose, you know, sight of the fact that these prospects, they haven't gone through that training yet because a lot of them will go through the training when they go through the protocol of meeting, you know, with their prospective teams after they're drafted or signed, they go through like that social media and the PR training where like they, they like basically, yeah, I mean, all I can say is if you've interviewed a prospect before he went to the NFL and then interviewed him after, you can see that. He's the same dude, but man, he knows what to do in certain situations more than he did the first time. It's not to say that we put him in a weird situation, but we've had instances like I won't like name drop, but we've had instances where we interview a guy and then like I bring him on a second time or whatever. And he's more like by the book the second time, not as like open. You can tell like he's had PR training. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's. You know, it's it's funny if, if you guys have ever seen uh, it, it's kind of an extreme example um, and I don't mean anything offensive by it. But if you guys have ever seen the movie, uh, the, the TV show, The Boys, um, like how the, like the, the yeah. superheroes are like corporate entities, essentially, like they're they're all about the image and everything like, yeah, they're they're superheroes. But it's also about like what their approval rating is and stuff like that, um, because at the end of the day, it is a business. The PR people won't allow them to go off a script. Uh, off the script they will allow them to go off script but not off the script um that's kind of how you know when you get to that level of interviewing players in the nfl a lot of these pr people don't allow them to kind of do their thing you know what i mean so um yeah just kind of a little insight there i mean not saying it's super bad but that's why i do like getting them before they end up going through that whole walkthrough you know with the team uh, Alexis and I try to reach out to all the Rams before they do that. Cause once they do that, like most of the time we're not even going to get them. Cause, uh, you know, Rams PR is pretty like tight with that. Like as far as their coverage, like they want us to be in LA in order to get us interviewed players. I've had a, a bunch of interviews blocked and, you know, they don't look at the fact that like, you know, we've interviewed Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, Roman Gabriel, Dick Vermeule, et cetera. Like they look at it more as we're not on, NFL soil essentially, so we're just we're just hobbyists essentially. <laughs> but yeah. that's too bad because who cares where you are? Oh yeah, I mean, I I think you know the way I look at it because people are like, oh, does, does that bum you out? And I'm like, actually, I just think it's the, a huge mistake on their part. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to throw shade, but if you're a PR guy, wouldn't you want like good press being thrown at your team? I mean, I I don't know, it just. That's how I look at it. I don't look at it like, oh, I'm sad. I look at it like, oh, it's their mistake, their loss. <laughs> so that's uh, that's the big thing. That's I do love getting the interviews though. We had uh, I had Tutu on last year. Um, that was really cool. Got him on. I'll try to get him on again. We'll see what happens. 
it's hard to get those players on, especially like, you know, now that camp is back pretty much in the off season, you know, you can get them on, but you know, you got to go through PR when the season's in session. So probably miss the deadline. Yeah. Guys like that yeah. on. Yeah. I'm pulling for Atwell, but like everybody else. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> I think he's going to surprise some people. Like I, 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 I hope said so. earlier, I really do. Um, I don't know if you were in here yet, Marv, but um, you know, I was saying, I think he's closer to Tyree Kill than he is Tavon. Well, I hope so because Tyree could hardly catch a football. I mean, his hands were like iron. This, I think, Atwell's got softer hands. Atwell is a really good receiver as far as natural hands catching right. ability. Yeah. Yeah. And he plays above the rim, which you're like, you're five nine. Why are you jumping up like that? You know, but he he does. There's uh there's a YouTube no. short on my channel, um, that Eric Litzer uh got video of. So I gave him credit, of course, but um I I reposted it on there because I want people to see he went up and mossed like the whole Rams secondary. It was back. Oh, yeah, really? it was in uh, 2020, um, you know, right after – or 2021, right after they drafted him, they were they were doing their, like, training camp or, like, their scrimmage or whatever. They were doing it, like, at the SoFi Stadium, and they were allowing fans to, like, show up, and he got video of it. And it's sick because, like, Tutu literally jumps up, like, way in the air and just plucks the ball out of the air. And it's, like, it just kind of goes to show you how – you know, if he if he didn't miss Lamar Jackson at Louisville, if he didn't just miss him and go right into Malik Cunningham, if he got to play with Lamar, I mean, he could have gone first round. He would have, you know, a lot of – if you go back I and saw, look at the tapes. I saw a lot of the tapes of Atwell in college, and he was impressive. But you see how many times he uh, has to stop? Yeah, yeah, I did. He, <laughs> uh they couldn't handle it. No. You know. I mean, I mean neither could the quarterback. And I'm sure that's what McVay saw, you know. But Dude uh, beats him off the line of scrimmage, has 10 yards on him, and then Atwell has to stand still as uh, he's too quick. Malik Cunningham. He's quick and fast. Yeah, Malik Cunningham throws 20 yards uh, short of where Atwell is. <laughs> and you're, you're like, what are you doing? But, yeah, I, I think the other re- there's a reason why he led the NFC – in preseason receptions. Um, I think he's going to be just unleashed, I think, in, in preseason. And I think we're going to see some good stuff, and I think it's going to translate to the, the NFL regular season. Um, now, Well, I'm, I'm pulling for him. Oh, I am too. The other guy, I, I like I like Shornick. You know, he dropped some passes. He did. But he... He was. He doesn't have a history of being a prolific pass catcher in college. No, it, and this this kid looks like he could really be useful. Well, and that's the thing is, uh, like, I try to explain to fans that want to just rip him, and I, know. and I think you know Ramsby yeah. and I talked about this before, but fans try to tear him in half, and it's like you have to realize this guy was a seventh round pick that with that that's right. uh, you know Northwestern transfer in Notre Dame. Uh, you know, played behind right. guys like Chase Claypool, you know, Kevin Austin, wasn't utilized as a number one, number two, or even number three. Um, and now all of a sudden he's gone from minimal experience in college to now in the Super Bowl, he's asked to be the third receiver. 
Yes. I mean, exactly. I'm just saying, like, you know, and the thing is with him is that I'd imagine he doesn't regret anything that happened because he can build off that. He's now had that experience. Um, and it's not even like he might even need to be uh, in that position ever again. But if he is, I think he's going to be ready for it. I and agree. Valuable and he, he's a, and he's good on special teams. Very good on special teams. I, I've watched him. Yeah, he's good he, on special teams for sure. So he, I don't he's, know he's, a, I he's think, a tough kid. I, my guess is he's probably behind Tutu, and he's behind probably Jacob Harris when he gets back on the on the depth chart at wide receiver. And then if OBJ comes back, so yeah, I, I think last year was sort of an anomaly for him, and um, I'm not sure if he's going to get many touches. Yeah. Not of not of the the three guys Jefferson Allen and Cupper healthy all the time. And but, when yeah, I, two, three, I, just, four. I could see something with that guy. I wouldn't give up on Sherrard. That's just me. No, I'm with you. Yeah, no, I mean I'm not giving up on anybody except you know I always say the only guy I give up on you know with the Rams is pretty much Bobby Evans at this point. Who? Bobby Evans. Who's that? Dave? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's that's the offensive break? lineman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he hasn't shown anything. I don't think he makes the 53. I don't either. I don't like. I don't either. Because at some point you have to realize you've had all these wins. You got you know a second year captain, a starter, and and Jordan Fuller in the sixth round. You know, you got guys like Skoranek playing key roles in the seventh round. You know, you got to cap, like, you have to realize that, okay, we, we won a lot of these. We lost the battle with Bobby Evans. Let's move on. Because if you do not do that, you know, that is like the definition of insanity. Like, continuing to try yeah. and, and make something happen that's just not happening. Like, without changing anything. Well, like, I mean, obviously, you're going to, let's just say, Russ is penciled in as a starter. You got AJ, um, you got Ankrum. Um, Ankrum was taking got, starting uh, reps. Yeah, Ankrum. I think it's going to be come down to Ankrum and Brust. But, it is. Yeah. You got um, Shelton. You got Shelton. Shelton. You got Shelton. So, I mean, I think there's eight right there. And so, yeah, I think that's generally. Who? Arcuri, the seventh round pick. Oh, yeah, Arcuri. Yeah, Arcuri. Yeah, definitely Arcuri. Yeah, so. There's other guys there. I think they're going to punt on uh, on Bobby. I agree. Yeah, I just, you know, it's not like me hating. I just, you know, at this point, you got to cut bait. I mean, it's like just because, okay, you know, he, you spent a third round pick on him doesn't mean that you have to go out of your way to try to justify it now. I mean, it's been a few years and he hasn't done anything. I mean, he's like been passed up on on the depth chart by guys that were undrafted. So, I mean, at some point or another, you have to be like, all right, Bobby's not going to work out. What I really want to see them do is bring back Havenstein after the year because Havenstein's a top 10 offensive tackle, not just right tackle. He is. He's a top 10 offensive tackle in football. He is. I mean. I agree. I think he is so underrated, and he has just improved so much in pass pro because the the big thing about him is he was a mauler against the run. Um, So, that was, you know, the whole thing. But, 
Uh, I mean, man, the whole pass pro thing with him, he struggled so badly. You look at the Chris Long uh, <laughs> speed move that he got by him, you know, in the, the Eagles-Rams game at the Coliseum. Uh, like, he struggled massively, and he's really improved since. So, you know, that that's a guy yeah. I like to see them. That, that's, where they tend to, that's where they tend to spend their uh... – their mid-level, their veteran mid-level contracts on the offensive line. That's their their bread and butter for sure because they don't like you know a lot of rookies there in the wall. They can rinse and repeat with with guys on rookie deals at the um, you know at, at safety and at inside linebacker and at running back. But that offensive line is a need for some continuity. Um, yeah, obviously they brought back uh, Allen and and um, they. Uh, you know, so they got Havenstein on a mid-level deal. I think he's making about $8 million. Um, they got, uh, I think Edwards is still on a rookie deal. Um, so, obviously, they just signed uh, uh, Joseph Nopum to a, a, a big, you know, their biggest mid-level deal. So, that, that's where they tend to, that's where they tend to spend money on that, those mid-level deals. And, oh, and by, and you can also almost include, um uh tight ends in that situation too with um you know and so forth. So uh but I'll although I don't think there's anything back. But we'll see. I think Hopkins could be a good receiver. I think tight Hopkins I think Hopkins and Blanton. I don't know about the rest of playing tight end, the other part I mean, of it. Higby, Higby, I he pretty quick. But he's uh he was hurt so it would have cost him a little bit plus he's on a expiring deal, you know, it's his last year, so they're going to yeah. keep him this year and then get a comp pick for him. I don't think they'll resign him. No, probably not, but they they need somebody to back up for Higby, though, that can actually go in there and do it. Blanton and Hopkins did a pretty good job. They did surprisingly well, don't you think? <laughs> well, yeah, they did on receptions. They were terrible blockers. And I think that um, right when I came in, Jake, you were talking about Higby's blocking was improved, but uh, Blanton, if you look at the all twenty-two on the on the playoffs in the Super Bowl in particular, Blanton and uh, and Hopkins were atrocious in the blocking. And ironically, Hopkins got credit for his blocking because of that fourth and one. On that <laughs> he just barely hooked it. He just barely, he barely yeah, did that. Like, yeah. Oh, and, and Hopkins <laughs> cut for the first down. But if you look at there was a lot of a lot of plays where they. Completely whiffed on blocks, and and Acres or Hendro or somebody got blown up, yeah. and it it was like He's only- I'm not three or four. I'm talking about like six or seven plays. So yeah, so, but they you know to be fair, they didn't get a lot of reps and in practice or in the game, so not their fault. He's a little light too for a tight end, two forty five. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's become like the the, the standard now, though. Like everyone's yeah, like, a little lighter. Yeah, that. everyone's trying to go a little lighter because the game has gone so focused on the passing attack. Whereas you know now you don't have those two hundred and eighty pound tight ends anymore. Yeah, that's true. I think Higby. I think Higby is the most underrated tight end in the league. I mean, he's certainly up there because the thing I always say is, you know, he's just if he was like getting the same targets as. Uh, you know, Andrews and Kelsey and, and Kittle, do you really think he wouldn't get close to a thousand yards? I mean, I do. I do. Yeah. 
but you know they're spreading the ball out to the re- outside receivers. Yeah, I mean, but Hig- Higby's made a lot of important catches. You, a lot of third downs. You know who's dealing with kind of the same thing is uh, Goddard in uh, Philly. There's always been there's been Ertz. There's you know Devonte Smith. They just had AJ Brown. They use the the pass catchers out of the backfield, whether it's Sanders, and they loot they use uh, Boston Scott, and they they go out and get Kenny Gainwell. Like they got a lot of guys there, where you know Goddard's the guy that could go for a thousand, and you know he still puts up pretty gaudy numbers, and he you know there's all sorts of mouthpieces. So it's like there are guys that are in that role, and that's why when I was looking at the ESPN top one uh, top ten. Uh, for the tight ends, and I didn't even see Higby mentioned until, like, the other receiving votes, and I see Hunter Henry get 10. I'm like, I'll be honest with you, I think Tyler Higby's better than Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry just plays for the Patriots, and he was utilized as, like, one of the guys in uh, L.A. with the Chargers. So it's like, Higby, if he was given that same target share, would yeah. do much. He also had more yards than Hunter Henry. Um, he just didn't have as many touchdowns, but it's like Cooper Cup had a bunch. OBJ had a bunch. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't like penalizing guys because Whoa. of touchdowns. That was one of my big beefs with Higby was that he was one of the on the lower end of um, red zone tight ends, and you really want your tight end to show up, you know. And it's not like the Rams were just speed; were super successful to their wide receivers in the first half of last year in the red zone. We remember before OBJ came, we were really struggling in the red zone. And, uh, you know, we could have really <clears throat> used Higby to step up. He dropped a and couple. He, and Yeah. Well, he caught that he's huge six, one six. against the Niners. I don't even know how he got his feet in bounds. The the far fade you know, on the right side. He's six foot six inches. Yeah, he is. He, um, I'll say this. Can you imagine how good the Rams would have been if, if Higby was in the Super Bowl healthy? I mean. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Van was hurt. He was playing hurt. They they just actually came out and said Van was hurt the entire second half of last year. If OBJ could have stayed in that game, well, that's the <laughs> that's the no brainer. If OBJ stays in the game, that game is a blowout. I'm absolutely convinced. <laughs> they couldn't handle. They couldn't handle it. No, because yeah. they went into the game, uh, you know, basically saying we're just gonna, you know, allow you to throw to whoever except for Cooper Cup, and that's how we'll beat you. And then. It worked until Cooper Cup stepped up, and they started trying to design. They like McVeigh even said like he designed plays on the spot to try to get him open. Yeah. So. Can you imagine if, if we got OBJ back with Allen and Cup and Van and Higby and? <laughs> I mean, it could really be a show. I think OBJ is coming yeah. back. I I hope so. There are rumors that he said he was even at the ring ceremony. So I think he wants to play in L.A. Well, if he leaves, it's not it's not really him. It's it's more so his agent probably advising him to take the money. Yeah, it's a financial it's financial thing. But yeah. I, I can't see him leaving because no one is going to offer him a deal because he's not going to play until November, and you don't know right now if you're even going to be a team worth getting a player like that to play in November. Like if you're the if you're the Packers, sure. If you're the Vikings, sure. If you're the you know Buccaneers, you know, AFC West team, yeah, you're probably gonna be playing deep into, you know, January. But 
you know, if some of the other teams that I see mentioned, like the Cardinals, like the Cardinals aren't going to the playoffs. I don't, I don't understand the obsession with the Arizona Cardinals. Last year, they took advantage of the fact that Jameis Winston got hurt with the Saints. They took advantage of the fact that the Vikings were absolutely a playoff team with just a really terrible coach in Mike Zimmer that held him back for years. Uh, they took advantage of the fact that, I mean, hell, even the Lions. Like, just wait. The, the Lions, it might take a year, it might take two. The Lions are going to be hard to beat. That offensive, uh, you know, that offensive line is, is bolstered. You know, Goff has weapons galore. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure anyone could succeed if they're throwing a, you know, Jamison Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown and DJ Chark and TJ Hawkinson and having DeAndre Swift. So, yeah, it's just that's the thing. It's like when I see people like, yeah, the Cardinals, like the Cardinals aren't going anywhere. You know, they are they're actually the team that, you know, if you want to talk about a team where the fans are going to be, you know, completely there's going to be this crazy you know, like, oh, crap moment, we're really not that good, um, you know, rude awakening, it's Cardinals, because the Cardinals just aren't that good of a roster. If you look from top to bottom, like, I, I cannot even justify paying Kyler Murray $46.1 million, especially not with that roster. I really don't think they've done a good job. They, they have some guys, yes, you know, they go out and they get, you know, Isaiah, um, I forget his name, Simmons, I think his name is, uh, and then they get Zayvon Collins, you know, they have Buda Baker, they they have, you know, guys like that, Byron Murphy, um, you know, Marco Wilson took a, a huge step last year, you know, in his rookie year. Um, but like they spent so much money on like JJ Watt and AJ Green. And you're like, what are you doing? Because clearly those guys are over the hill. AJ Green is not even worth rostering anymore. But uh like JJ Watt is still good. He's just not elite and you're paying him like really big money. So I just I think it's going to be a rude awakening for the Cardinals. Like I think Seattle could be better than Arizona, um, but I, I think San Francisco is going to be the second team. The Rams, I would be, I would be absolutely stunned. Like I think it, the Yankees have like sixty six wins. I I trust the Yankees to to completely miss the playoffs more than I trust the Rams to not win the NFC West. And the Yankees are the best team in baseball right now. So that's where I'm at right now. It's like I trust the Yankees to miss the playoffs more than I trust the Rams to not win the NFC West. Yankees pitching staff is not top notch. I, I just my only thing is that I, I'm not a I don't have any massive confidence in Trey Lance, but I also don't have any you know a lot of doubts, and so. There's, you know, the odds aren't, aren't with him. If you look at the last 10, 12 quarterbacks drafted since, since, uh, Matt Ryan was drafted in 2008, um, with the number of three or four pick, the guys drafted two through five are basically 0 for 12, like basically 12 busts. Oh, and, yeah, you um, said this. Yeah, you know, if you don't count the last, the guys that were drafted in the last two years, if you really don't know about them yeah. all. But so odds are not with him. Um, but if he does turn out to be good, which is a possibility, I mean, it's not, you know, uh, it, that far out of the realm of possibility, that team's going to be really good. And the difference could be, Jake, those three games that, that are the difference um, in the first place versus third place uh, games that we play. We play, the Rams play the Cowboys, the um, 
the Bills and the Packers in Green Bay. And the Niners play the Bears, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the Dolphins and the, um, uh, and the Commanders. So those are three pretty significantly different quality of competition, you know, three out of 16 games. And, and th- those could um, be the difference in the division. So um, if Trey Lance is, you know, is a little above average, you know, above, above what we expect him to be, um, I can see, I can see them winning the division or getting a wild card. But if he, if he's not, if he's mid or if he's off and on, then I completely agree with you. Yeah. You know, it's, I agree. Trey Lance could be if he if he is what they think he can be. Niners are going to be really good. Oh yeah, no way around it. They are, you know. Well, and they match up against the Rams very. I well. think they'll be in the uh, NFC title game against the Rams again. It wouldn't surprise me if Lance if Lance has got to come through. Yeah. No. Absolutely. But, I mean, think about this, you know, and I've seen a lot of people that are, are saying, like, you know, Buffalo's going to win week one and the Rams are going to go into the season 0-1. Um, the Rams have not lost an opening game with Sean McVay. Yeah. I, I wouldn't bet against the Rams at home on the first game. I mean... <laughs> I could never do that. That's the that's the banner reveal, isn't it? I mean that that whole. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. I think the Bills are beatable. I think they're really, really good. But I just think generally the Rams are not don't get the accolades nationally. I really don't think they do because I don't. I've never seen anything like you know a team winning a Super Bowl. And just, I, I mean, I, I've seen people say like counter arguments, like, no, the Rams are talked about. You're just not noticing it. I'm like, yeah, they're talked about, but it, it, they're not on the level of like Tom Brady came back for, you know, whatever. He's going to be 45. <laughs> and it's like, I, I can't right. stop hearing about how the Buccaneers are the favorite. Like, how are the Buccaneers the favorites? How do you look at that roster and say that's better than the Rams roster? Like, I, I, that's what I don't understand. Like, if you follow football, how are you looking at Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, and saying that's better than Matthew Stafford, Cam Akers slash Daryl Henderson, Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson? How are you saying Cameron Bray yeah. and Kyle Rudolph is better than Tyler Higby? How are you saying Donovan Smith, Aaron Stinney, Ryan Jensen, Shaq Mason, Tristan Wirfs is better than, uh, you know, No Boom, Edwards, Allen, uh, you know, Bruss slash Ankrum and Havenstein. I think that's pretty much a stalemate. Like, I don't think you could say that's better. Uh, and then the defensive line, like Vita Vea, William Golston, Hicks. I don't think that's better than, you know, Donald, Ashawn, and, and Gaines. And if it is, not even you know, fun. if it, if, even if it is, like, even if I give you that credit, it's not that much better. And then the linebackers, Devin White is the most overrated linebacker in football. The guy's fast. He played at LSU, and so no one wants to say it. But I'm not impressed with Devin White. I'm just not. I, I think, you know, Levante David's great. But I, I would take the Rams linebackers over them right now. And then, you know, I think with pass rushers, Tryon and, and Shaquille Barrett, I think they probably have the Rams there. Um, 
but maybe not even because, you know, Floyd and then Justin Hollins. I mean, we'll see. Tryon Choyanka is more so like a we'll see approach. So is, you know, Justin Hollins. And then Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis. I mean, I wouldn't say that's better than Jalen Ramsey and Troy Hill. They have the safeties. Logan Ryan and Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, yeah, Antoine Winfield Jr. They have Keanu Neal. They have Mike Edwards, Troy Warren. Like, like okay, like their safeties are probably better, maybe. But this is not the best team in football. This is not the best team in the NFC. And the Packers, let's be honest here, the Packers also, they're another one of those teams. Rodgers came back, so it's like, oh, well, Rodgers is back. And, you know, at least with the Packers, and this is the argument I would make, is that with the Packers, the Rams have shown time after time with Sean McVay they cannot beat the Packers. But they're 3-0 and against Tampa. So the whole Tampa love is just ridiculous to me. Yeah, the whole Tampa thing is crazy. Like the Niners, they've had success against the Rams. So, you know, if you want to say the Niners could be competitive against the Rams, okay. If you want to say the Packers, since the Rams haven't beaten them with Sean McVay, okay. But if you're going to say Tampa, no. I draw the line on that. I think if Bobby Wagner has something left, he can make a huge difference. A huge difference on our defense. Well, and I think he does. Because what people fail to realize is that Seattle was banged up last year on defense. Like, Adams got hurt. Diggs got hurt. They still made the... You know the All Pro list or whatever. Like Diggs was second team All Pro, but, um, but you know, like when you look at say, what's his face, the the pass rusher for Seattle, um, oh I forget his name. He's out of Tennessee, Daryl Taylor. Like he was showing flashes. He gets hurt, and you know you look at their depth chart this year, and I mean this is why I kind of feel like you know with Diggs, Adams, Jones, um. You know, I don't love their corners, but they did go out and get Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen in the draft, which I do like. They got, you know, the guy with the weird last name starting with an IY, uh, Iwig, Booney, or whatever. Um, Iggy, yeah. Yeah, they got, I think Barton's going to be good this year. Um, Jordan Brooks. Jordan Brooks. Really took, yeah, a, you sure. know, another <laughs> step. Uh, Nwosu is an underrated signing. I think that's a good pickup. I think Quentin Jefferson, people forget how good he was. Uh, Daryl Taylor, Collier, Boy Mafe, and then you have Shelby Harris, who is going to be huge for their defense, true leader in the locker room. Um, but then, you know, you have Lockett, you have Metcalf, you have Swain, you, you know, you get Bo Melton, who I think is being slept on. Uh, D. Estridge is somebody that's being slept on. Then you have, yeah, you, you know, sure. Noah Fant, Will Disley, Colby Parkinson. You got uh, Kenneth Walker. You got Rashad Penny. Chris Carson's probably never going to play again, sadly. Is that is that is Carson's not coming back? Huh? He's got a metal plate uh, like lodged into like his neck. Oh. <sighs> yeah, it's it's bad. I'm worried about that offensive line. I just don't know if you. If you can go with uh, Cross and Lucas on the on the edges of your offensive line as two rookies, and you know in this in this league, I just I don't know. Yeah, I think that they have a lot of potential. Um, they might struggle early on, but I think down the stretch that offensive line could gel. I think like you know Phil Haynes is yeah, a pretty solid you know plug and play guy uh, if they need him. But um, if they don't, you know, I would probably start Austin Blythe over Kyle Fuller personally. 
But yeah, Blythe is probably going to be Blythe. Damian Lewis and Gabe Jackson is probably probably where they're going to go with on the interior. But um, but you know, not Gabe Jackson. I mean, he's on the downhill slide. Um, we know Blythe is what he is. I don't know. I just I feel like that's going to give those quarterbacks who aren't you know elite quarterbacks. Um, you know, they'll probably go with with Drew Locke over Geno and. I just, I don't know. I think that's going to be a big problem. I was told to uh, look out for Jacob Eason uh, in training camp. They got interesting pretty quietly. They still have Penny. They still have Penny. Uh, The running back. Yeah, Rashad. Yeah, they do. Um, I think Walker's going to take over as the guy because Penny only signed a one year deal. Uh, But, you know, I think they're going to use them both. And then I think DJ Dallas is also going to be utilized. And then they're going to use D. Eskridge because, I mean, this is also, keep in mind, like the Sean McVay-style offense, uh, you know, with, with uh, Waldron going there. So they're going to use a lot of the, the jet motions with uh, like guys like Penny Hart, Bo Melton, D. Eskridge, and, you know, mix things up. That coach wants a running game. So, yeah, I mean they're going to be a run the ball predominantly. They need to run. The yeah, ball. they're going to be a predominantly run first team. Um, I think the the really interesting thing is if Drew Locke wins the job, you know, was it Denver? Was it Locke? You know, that's something that I think we'll find out. And Jacob Eason. I mean, the Colts weren't in position to give him a shot. You know, they they wanted to win now. They went out and got Wentz. They went out and got Philip Rivers. Now they go out and get Matt Ryan. So they just pulled the plug on him. But Eason was a stud at Washington. And, you know, I feel like, um, you know, looking at him and being able to go back to Seattle, Washington in the NFL, you know, I think there's going to be some some fans pushing for him. And, you know, I think in in training camp, I mean, if you're battling Geno Smith, I think you can win that battle. I mean, Smith has become interesting where, like, last year, you were like, oh, okay, Smith actually isn't that bad. Uh, no, he played pretty darn good. He really did. But at the same time, you know, in four games, he only threw, what, 702 yards. So he wasn't really asked to do a lot. And that might be the reason why they start him, but that might also be the reason against starting him. Because a guy like, say, Drew Locke, you know, he's somebody that, you know, we'll probably want to throw the ball deep down the field more than Geno Smith, who's going to be more of the – because that's the thing is while you want to run the football, you also have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. If you don't trade them, you know, you're going to have to get them involved. And then you have Jacob Eason, who, you know, he's known for throwing the game-losing interception against the Rams last year. Um, but he's 24 years old, you know, and the young quarterback ecosystem, I always say, is completely broken in this league. So, you know, a guy who makes his first ever, you know, game coming into, you know, last year at 24 wasn't ready and was thrusted into, you know, an offense where it's like you have to go and win the game because Wentz got hurt and then he throws an interception and he never plays again. That's just like basically proves my point about how broken the quarterback ecosystem is. It's like your your leash is very thin. If you're not Zach Wilson, number two overall. If you're not Trevor Lawrence, number one overall. If you're not Trey Lance, number three overall. Like, your leash is going to be super thin. So, you know, that that's the thing is, uh, you know, I think Eason is, is an interesting name to watch. But um, in addition to that, I'll end it with this. 
uh, kind of different. But I'll say this right now, and this this is a little controversial, but Trevor Lawrence has all the makings of a cautionary tale. I I can't really put my finger as to why, but I, I keep looking at a guy that I believe is not going to succeed in this league. I really? really don't think he's as special as people say. I said that in the draft. I said Trey Lance is the best player in this draft. Um, and I was actually lower on uh, you know Zach Wilson until I went back and I watched the film from last year, and I really started to like him. And I think he's going to be really good. Um, and I think Justin Fields is going to be really good at some point, you know, when they figure out what to do, you know, with the weapons around him. But Trevor Lawrence – there's something about him. I just don't feel like he has that that it factor. And I understand, you know, maybe it looked like he had that at Clemson, but things were a lot easier at Clemson. You know, you had all those receivers. He, he's been a winner his whole his whole time from high school and, and that through college. That's my thing. Is I think that's actually kind of you know we're gonna have to see how he responds from you know the past year, but uh, you know we're gonna see because Bradford was a winner. And he comes to the NFL, and they go seven and nine, and then next year they go what two and fourteen, one fifteen. Um, you know, Bradford was used to winning. Bradford was used to pinpoint accuracy because he had all day to throw, just like Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. And he got to the NFL, and I mean, it was not all sunshine and rainbows. And I feel like you have a guy like Trey Lance who you know went through adversity playing in the FCS, not having – because everyone uses that against him. But what they don't ever point out is that he doesn't have FCS blocking. You know, he doesn't have – he, he doesn't have, like, you know, top-notch blocking. He has FCS blocking. You know, one of those guys, Dylan Radunes, made the NFL. Do you think all, all the other four did? No. Uh, so, you know, I think it kind of goes both ways. And then Zach Wilson, uh, you know, he had some issues. And then he had that one year – where and he went into the NFL draft afterwards, where he really came on strong for BYU, but he had some issues before that, and so I feel like that kind of hardened him. And and now you're going to start to see him. You know, last year he flashed at times; he had some rough moments, but I think he was battle tested. You know, we're going to see if uh, you know Trevor Lawrence, the the battle test last year, if, if that makes him better or if it makes him worse and he's gonna crush under the pressure. But I, I just I guys, I'm I'm be honest with you, I every time I watch him, I just have this feeling that he is gonna be the cautionary tale of how there's no such thing as a oh, he's by far the number one quarterback. You shouldn't even consider Lance, you shouldn't even consider Fields or Wilson. If you don't draft Trevor Lawrence, you're out of your mind. Like I did not see him as that generational prospect others did. And, you know, last year really didn't change anything for me. Yeah, he's really lungy, I'll say. I don't know if that's a word or not, but he lunges in the pocket, lunges forward. He's not, he doesn't have that classic throwing motion, and that's a kind of a telltale sign of a guy who's, who's uh, you know, not rattled, comfortable though. in there. To me, he doesn't get rattled, and he was under a lot of pressure. Uh, he really was. That offensive line in Jacksonville stunk, and that head coach stunk. That whole that whole team. Ah. So I don't think you could rate him yet. Well, I don't think like they'll bench him, but I think you know 
the way he plays, he has he is a higher rate of of injury risk, I think, than some of the other quarterbacks. Yeah, he he's he's not he doesn't carry a lot of weight on that frame. Yeah, and see, like Zach Wilson added like fifteen pounds this year. I think that's really going to help him out. Like he he's you can see he's more filled out than last year. Lawrence is like kind of stuck in his ways of being that kind of lanky guy. And I think he's going to have to add weight if he wants to like, I mean, we've seen it with Jared Goff, you know, you can only play lanky for so long until like injuries start catching up with you. Goff got hurt last year. He got hurt, you know, the last year with the Rams. I mean, obviously that wasn't really have anything to do with him being lanky, but you know, it's, something of a concern, but yeah, that, that was what I wanted to say before. I mean, this has been super long. We're almost at two hours. So, uh, fun time guys. Did you, yeah, I'll let you go. Did Jake. you talk Thanks for uh, Jake, having us? Yeah. Jake, this is great. I really like it. Yeah. Did you talk about the top 10 quarterbacks? Because I really have a problem with Burrow being rated over staff. Oh, I did too. Um, I did. That's, I did mention that. How, how did, Oh God, not, not this episode, that, but I did an episode, I think before, um, Oh, and okay. I mean, really, you know, what I'll say as I wrap this thing up, I just think Stafford is the most underrated quarterback in the NFL because we've now seen it. This guy, all of the Stafford defenders have been saying, if you just put him on a roster that has a defense that isn't going to give up 49 points a game or whatever they gave, you know, the Lions gave up in the game, he scored four touchdowns in the playoffs in, um, you know, if you give him like a good roster and you, you build around Absolutely. him, he, he will win you, you know, games. And, um, I never doubted. I mean, when they traded for him, I knew they were going to win the Super Bowl. The moment they traded for him, I was like, yep, they're going in and this is, this is going to be it. And, you know, what I'll say is the reason I say he's the most underrated and, you know, there are guys out there. I mean, Matt Ryan is somewhat underrated, but when you look at Stafford, we just basically were told by a lot of people that winning a Super Bowl in his first season, uh, throwing 50 touchdowns, 6,000 yards uh, in a 21-game season when you combine the postseason, having 10 touchdowns and hardly throwing any picks in the playoffs, not throwing interception in the fourth quarter, being top three in just about every statistical category for a quarterback, that didn't matter. Yep. And, you, you know. know, it's like a lot of people showed that. And Madden showed that with their 85 overall rating. Uh, the ESPN 100 showed that when – or the ESPN Top 10 showed that when Stafford got the same uh, standings rec- uh, rating as he did last year. He was sixth last year. So you're telling me he didn't improve at all. And then you put Burrow ahead of him, who he beat head-to-head in the Super Bowl. And uh, Burrow just played his first year, really. Because if you think about it, last year was his rookie year. He did not play the full season. He tore his ACL. Yep. So, you know, that... that... Burrow's impressive. I, I'm not putting down Burrow, but... Oh, he is. I, I just think... But... Yeah, that kid. That kid's going to be something. He already is. But to put him, put him ahead of Stafford in his first year, I don't get it. I mean, Stafford outplayed him in the, in the Super Bowl. Well, and I, I don't... I mean, I don't get the idea of that. I, I also don't think, you know, at least in my opinion, I don't think Burrow's better than Herbert. I I don't think so either. I think Herbert's special. I mean, Herbert yeah. is probably, I mean, he might be the face of, you know, the league when it's all said and done. Um, 
I think it's Allen, to be honest with you. I think Josh Allen's the best quarterback in football. But I would not be surprised yeah. if uh, if Justin Herbert ended up, you know, kind of getting to that level. Um, but, you know, I mean, we'll see. But I, I, I'm really – I soured a little bit on Mahomes last year. I've talked about that. I really have. Uh, I, I would put Stafford ahead of Mahomes as of right now going into 2022. Not long term, but 2022. Mahomes really – has a lot to to take blame for in losing that game against the Bengals. That was a very lackadaisical throw in a key moment. Uh, you know, you talk about Stafford throwing it up to, uh, you know, Van Jefferson and getting picked off and people bring that up. That is not the same level as Patrick Mahomes throwing in a double coverage to get to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is 5'10", okay? I don't even know if he's 5'10". They're, they might they might be generous on that listing, but he's five ten and they're throwing in a double coverage in overtime when I believe they were the last ones to touch the ball. So all they really needed, like you know they like the um the Bengals already had you know failed I guess, and all they really needed or whatever was to go down the field and kick a field goal if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, even if that's not the case, my point is in that situation. The, you know, the incredible, uh, immortal Patrick Mahomes needs to play better than that. That was one of the most careless drives I've ever seen. I mean, that was really stupid. Like, I don't even know who I wanted to be in the Super Bowl against the Rams, but that actually, like, pissed me off because it's just horrible quarterback (laughs) play. It just really is. I Mm -hmm. mean, would Stafford have done anything like that in, in overtime? Maybe in the regular season. They'd be all over Stafford if he played a game like that. People just, there's a certain group of people who just don't like Stafford. It, it's really I, bizarre. I, it. I wonder if it's like, it is. you know, he went to Georgia and so people don't like Georgia. But like, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, my uncle met him uh, when he was living out in Athens and he said he's one of the nicest dudes he's ever met. And he's not like a Rams right. fan or anything like that. He just, you know, he met Stafford. And, um, you know, I've only heard good things about him. And, you know, this is somebody that isn't like rah-rah or flashy or anything. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it, what's funny is the no-look passes like Mahomes makes and all that. Like everyone was flipping out about it. And then Stafford started getting like, if you notice, Stafford started getting some talk about that. And then, like, a certain group of people were like, oh, it's not that impressive. Like, watch Mahomes do it. Or, like, they would say, like, it wasn't that big of a deal or whatever. Mahomes, it, Mahomes has never thrown a no-look pass that way. No. He's never thrown it that far down the field. No way. He, no, I, he threw that into coverage. Well, in the one <laughs> – He put that between three three defensive uh, backs. Well, and it's almost like – It was that, an incredible – As impressive as throw. that was, the one he threw to Van Jefferson, I forget what game it was. But, I, I mean, he threw a no-look pass 50 yards downfield. I know. I know. Uh, he throws the ball as well as any quarterback in the league. No doubt. Maybe better. Yeah, I just – As throwing the I, ball. I don't, I don't get the uh, people sleeping on him. I, I really don't get And then there's people out there that think Deshaun Watson's better. And I'm just like, whatever. Uh, I don't know. I do know. Uh, Deshaun Watson didn't win anything. Okay, Stafford, you know, oh, well, Deshaun Watson didn't have this and this. Okay, Stafford went to the Rams, instantly changed everything there. 
He wins the Super Bowl his first year, despite the fact his number two receiver, who's basically a wide receiver one, Robert Woods gets hurt. Despite the fact that while he had OBJ to start the game, he tears his ACL mid-game. Despite the fact he didn't have a starting tight end. Despite the fact that his running backs, one was coming off a torn Achilles and was completely ineffective. He literally blocked Andrew Whitworth and and basically caused a, a sack in the Super Bowl. The other one was Daryl Henderson, who's playing on a, a high ankle sprain. Then he also had Van Jefferson, who was playing injured the entire half of the season. You know, it's like, okay, Stafford did all that, you know, but, the, you know, you don't see him making those excuses. You don't see Rams fans making those excuses. But, like, Deshaun Watson gets every excuse in the book as to why he's never really done anything in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I just think Stafford's underrated, and I would take Stafford in the fourth quarter over any other quarterback in the league. So, well, that's just how I feel about he's, it. Uh, he's 2 0 against Tom Brady the last two meetings. Fun fact. Yeah. Yeah. And the first time wasn't even really close. They won 34 24, but that game was 34 17. That was a fluke garbage time touchdown Brady threw at the end to try to not make it look so bad. But they got embarrassed at SoFi. And then the Rams went into their home and kicked their ass and then had four random, like, you know, four random fumbles that you'll never see again. I know. So, that that's kind of my thought process on that. I just think Stafford's incredibly underrated. Brady got a 97 in Madden, Stafford got an 85. But yet, Stafford was the one that outdueled Brady twice. I, I, I don't know. I, I It makes me kind of laugh, though, because it's like, all right, keep underrating him. You're giving me content to talk about. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I know what you mean. I agree. I You're giving agree. me free content to talk about in an off season that, well, it's hard to, to continue doing stuff because there's not always, you know, especially during like July, there's not a ton to talk about. So you keep giving me the, uh, content to talk about, keep making me look smart when I keep back in Stafford. Um, and uh, also keep doing that and Stafford will keep winning rings, right? I mean, that's that's what... Well, he he's saying that he 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 expects a lot more. He said this should be a lot easier for me. This yeah, year. I mean it should, and it you know the offense is more curated to his strengths. Going out and getting Allen Robinson really shows you that they're they're it's not catering to him. It's it's curating around things that that work for him and trying to make his life easier. Not not like making it like he's changing the offense like. You know, I saw people like, oh, well, why couldn't they have just kept Robert Woods? It's like, you know, Stafford just is mm-hmm. taking over the offense now. And that's like, no, 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 no. Like, he would have loved Robert Woods there. But they felt like yep. going out and getting Allen Robinson and having that guy that can play above the rim and boxing out guys like a power forward would in basketball going for a rebound made way more sense because of his ability to take risks and, and not be afraid to be a gunslinger and throw deep down the field. Well, Allen can go deep too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's a. If if that if those receivers are healthy and everything is right with Stafford, I Allen could he could go off. I mean, huge. He's a different type of guy than Cup. Yeah, he could go deep, and he can go in the end zone too. Yeah. No, I I just think, I think so as well. I mean, I think you know, I think he's going to lead the league in receiving. That's my big uh, hot take. I wouldn't. That wouldn't surprise me one bit. 
I keep saying it, but man, I got to put my money where my mouth is because that's ten thousand dollar odds or ten thousand. Yeah, plus you do 10, put it out odds. there. <laughs> but yeah, this Ram team should be really exciting. Just, no injuries and stay healthy; they'll be fine. Exactly. Well, hey guys, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I tried a different time slot out, and I guess it worked better for for the West Coast and. Uh, got more people in this time. It's been hard because it's been like the dead of the off season. So, you know, trying to get people in on this, trying to get people off Twitter onto this is, is hard. So I appreciate you guys giving it a shot. And uh, I look forward to watching this thing really grow um, because, you know, we're going to be doing plenty of these. I do two a week. So, um, you know, during the regular season, it, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. When's your next one? When's the next? Um, I'm planning for Wednesday as of right now. Wednesday. Okay. But, uh, you know, Colin, Colin gave me a notification. That's how I got on. That's awesome because I wasn't sure if it was working. I've been, I've been doing that for weeks and no one has told me if it worked or not. That's how I, yeah, because I had set it up and then I came in. I was sitting here watching the movie. I said, Jake talked about this. I'm going to see what happens. Yeah, that's, that's the hope. Yeah. I'm trying to. Trying to grow on every yeah, this platform is... now, it seems like. Yeah. But. Okay. All right. Okay. Terrific, Jake. You've been great. I love what you do. Thank you so much, Marv. I really appreciate it. Rams beat. Appreciate you. Appreciate Jawson. I, I know you were in here. Uh, you might not still be in here. But uh, that's going to do it for those of you that are listening after the fact. Episode 22 is in the books. Can't wait for 23. Uh, be sure to uh, subscribe to the channel. Be sure to, to follow me as well on uh, call-in. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll have obviously more of these two times a week. And if you're interested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well, I got that show on call-in tomorrow night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. So take care, guys. Okay. And I will uh, take see care. you guys soon. Good night. Good night.